So the title of my message today is Ordinary People, Extraordinary Anointing. If you will, I want to bow your head with, and pray with me and for me as I try to bring forth this message that God's put in my heart for you today. Father, we just come to you in the mighty name of Jesus, the name that can break bonds, the name that can change lives, the name above every name. And we just ask you, Lord God, that you would move in this place. We ask you, Lord God, that you would use me as your vessel. God, I surrender to you. You know my deal. The first two minutes is mine. Everything else is you. I just remind you of that. I thank you for it. I thank you, Lord God, for choosing me out of all the crazy people you could have and for choosing to use me despite myself. And I just surrender to you right now. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. So what does it take to do extraordinary things for God? Do you ever ask yourself this, these questions? I ask myself these things all the time. I take the Bible very literally, maybe, and I ponder these things on a regular basis. And I was talking with Tina Zinkel and some of the ladies in the kitchen after the breakfast yesterday. By the way, if you're a lady and you're not at breakfast on that Saturday morning, get there. Get there. It's, it's, it's fun to hang out and just be with other girls. I was talking to them, and I said, you know, for me, everything is black and white. There's no gray area. And I don't want to get to the end of my life and have missed the opportunity that God has given me to make a difference somewhere. I want to take this message today from some of the greatest leader and leaders in the Bible, in my opinion. Some weeks, we as a staff run around all week long just to keep this place afloat. I know we look like we have it all together, but some days, I could tell you some stories. It's pretty hard to maintain what we have going on here sometimes. But I was thinking about the disciples. Let's think about them for a hot minute. You have 12 train wrecks that had to serve thousands of people at a time. That's like having a special event every day. Can you imagine? They had to deal with the children underfoot. They had to constantly contend with crowds of people on a regular, daily basis. They get up, Jesus gets up, they go here, there's a crowd. They run here, there's a crowd. They go over there, there's a crowd. Everywhere they go, there's a crowd. Can I just make a confession here? I hate the grocery store. I hate the grocery store. At night and especially on the weekends. You know when the best time to shop is? 5 a.m., you can go, and I've, I run into Rachel there all the time. You can go get what you need and get in and out in a minute. You know why I hate it? Because there's people in there. Crowds are not my thing. They're usually rude people, people in a hurry, crying kids. You get the picture, right? Yet the disciples had to walk in that all the time. And literally, they walked. They didn't have cars. 
They didn't, okay, they had donkeys. How fast can a donkey move, folks? Yet they were willing to put their life on the line. And they were willing to die for the cause that they were, were, were involved in, in the cause of Christ. How many of us, myself included, are that dedicated to anything in life? That you be willing to lay your life down. That you be willing to die for it. See, they were fishermen, uneducated and unqualified. I feel that way all the time. I feel that way all the time. Tax collectors, they were cheaters. Not at all who you would think that God would choose to convey the most important message of all time. The coming of the Messiah. His one and only son. Who would choose those guys? Out of all the people in the world, I would have chosen someone more gifted in lecturing. Or maybe the hotshot preacher of the day. But God doesn't work that way. The scriptures tell us in 1 Corinthians 1.27, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. Ordinary people. They were ordinary people that ended up changing the world. In fact, those 12 men shook the world, and they still shake the world today. Extraordinary anointing. However, don't get it twisted. It cost them something. It wasn't free for them, and it won't be free for you and I either. We're all aware that they were beaten. They were imprisoned. They were tortured for the sake of the gospel. Yet you see them singing in, in prison. You see the shaking of the prison walls. You see extraordinary anointing. Paul is my personal favorite Bible character. I believe it's because it's who I identify with the most. You know, God had to smack him around a bit, knock him off the donkey, you know, that kind of stuff. That's me. He literally had to go through the school of hard knocks, right? But Paul got it. He understood what it meant to answer the call of God. He wrote things like 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. Do you not know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You're not your own. You've been bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. In Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He knew what it meant to be a disciple, a minister of the gospel. But this isn't a message to give our pastors or our staff accolades today, even though every single one of them deserve it. It's hopefully to stir something on the inside of us, to get us moving in God's direction. 
we're ordinary people with an extraordinary anointing. The fact that you're sitting in these seats today prove that you are called to be here. You may be totally ordinary, but you carry an extraordinary anointing on your life. We realize as a staff that we serve an audience of one. But I believe that God has a call on every single person in this place. What's your passion? What did God redeem you from? Has your life been bought with a price? Or is your life still your own? How do you tithe your time? What? I thought I had to tithe my money. I have to give my time to? You see, I can look at how you spend your time and talent, and I can tell who you serve. And you can say, ouch, or you can say amen to that. But it's still true nonetheless. See, I can get up here and do this because he'll get up and clean it up next week, right? But guys, it's so true. What do you live for? Who do you live for? You might say, I have kids. I have a job. I have other responsibilities. Guess what? So do we. So did Jesus. Two times in the Bible, I thought this was ironic. Jesus' family came looking for him. For the sake of time today, I'm going to paraphrase. I'm going to paraphrase them. I'm just going to give you the references. You can look them up later. So in Luke 2, 41 through 52, we find Mary and Joseph were traveling, and they discovered that Jesus wasn't with them after three days. It took them three days to notice their kid was missing. What kind of parents were they anyway? All the time he was with the priest in the temple. Didn't the priest wonder, where's this kid's parents? Let me tell you something. If your child is on my Wednesday night bus, it is not going to take me three days to find you. I ain't keeping them. Not even one. They're coming home one way or two. I'm not keeping your kids. I love them. My job is to sugar them up and send them home. And again, we see in Mark 33, 31 through 35, that Jesus is ministering. And the disciples come and tell him his, mother's, his mother and his brothers are looking for him. Both times, his answer was pretty much the same. He was about his father's business. See, Jesus had an extraordinary anointing, and we're called to follow and be like him. Several times, Jesus spells it out for us. In Mark 10, 21, Jesus looked back at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor. Then you'll have treasures in heaven. Then come follow me. Sell everything. Get rid of everything. You mean I got to sell my stuff? No. 
God may not tell you to sell your stuff. But if he does, you better sell your stuff. It's about obedience. What's God telling you? John 14, 6, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the light. No one comes to the Father except through me. Matthew 4, 19, come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. Mark 8, 38, then he called the crowd to him along with the disciples and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. I found that one interesting because he called the crowd and the disciples. He called the congregation and the staff. No one is exempt. Are you a follower of Christ? We can't follow him. And do whatever we want at the same time. We can say anything we want right here. But when the rubber meets the road, who are you living for? See, Luke 14, 28 tells us to count the cost. It says, but don't begin. Don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there is enough money to finish it? See, when you make that decision, when you, get, when you say, I am all yours, God, I surrender to you, you better count that cost because it's going to cost you something if you're doing it right. And if you're not doing it right, you'll know because it ain't going to cost you nothing. I will tell you, the benefits far outweigh the cost. You may not be able to hang out with some of the same people you used to hang out with. I remember when I first got saved, when I first gave my life to to God. And I mean, guys, I got slam dunk saved. There you go, Lynn. I went in this way. I came out this way. And I don't remember, you know, everybody talks about free will. I don't remember saying, okay, God, here I am. Uh Uh-uh. It was wham. Like Paul on the donkey. Okay, I got it now. Mm-hmm. At, at your service, sir. But my old friends didn't want to hang out with me no more. I wasn't cool. I wasn't doing the things that they were doing. I wasn't acting the way that I used to act. Did I have some rough edges? Yes. Do I still have some rough edges? Ask pastor. He'll tell you. Yes. I'm probably going to go to my grave like that. You know why? Because I know I have to depend every day, every minute of every day on him. I think he keeps me that way because it keeps me where I need to be in check. But see, I knew that my life had been, and I know it is still bought with a price. And it's a price that I can never repay. No matter how much I do, no matter what 
I do, no matter how many years I serve, no matter how many people I meet, reach, feed, I can never, ever, ever repay. Peter, uh, 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19 says it best. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. It was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. It was the blood of Jesus that redeemed me. It was the blood of Jesus that saved me. It was the blood of Jesus that changed my life. Not anything I could do on my own. And nothing I could ever, ever repay. See, my life and yours has been bought with the shedding of blood on that old rugged cross. I don't deserve that. I will never deserve that. It was, it was bought with the coolest man that ever lived on earth. See, Jesus was cool. I would have loved to have been in his entourage. Can you imagine all the stuff you would have saw? Everybody wanted to hang out with him. That's why everywhere he went, there was a crowd. He would try to get away from them, and they would follow him. Everyone wanted and loved the healings, the miracles. And who doesn't love free food? Everybody loves free food, right? That's why we do a food pantry here. It serves a need, and people love free food, right? We're trying to be like Jesus. When Pastor Matt, he's told the story a million times, but when he um, decided, and he's, he was up here that morning, and I don't think any of us knew what he was going to say, but he said, I've decided we're going to open this food pantry seven days a week. Does he know what's in that room, God? I went back in that room, and I just shook my head. I said, Lord, even I think he's a little crazy. And I've got some big faith, folks. I was taught from a baby Christian, it takes the same amount of faith to believe for the big stuff as it does the little stuff. So you might as well believe big. But even I thought, boy, I hope he's hearing from God. I thought to myself, this is either going to be a miracle or we're going to be the laughing stock of this city. What are the, what are the other? So here, Lord God, please show up, right? But the food hasn't stopped. It's kind of like the, the story in the Bible where the widow poured the oil. You know, she had to go, go out and collect those vases. Don't collect a few jars. Collect all of them. She had, to, she had to step out and believe for that before, before God showed up and did the miracle. He had to step on water and say, God, I'm going to trust you to bring the food. I don't, he knew what was in that room. He knows it as good as anybody else. Yet he stood and he said, okay, God, at your word, I'm going to step out. And the food hasn't stopped flowing. We're ordinary people, but we have an extraordinary anointing in this building. And I don't believe that it started with them, 
I believe that they were obedient to be here. I believe it started with you guys. I'm just pointing at a couple that I can actually see. You guys that have been here for eons and eons, this church was designed from the beginning of the building to do what it's doing right now. You guys have paid the price. Mary Greenwood, D, Jean. I, I, I know I'll miss somebody. I don't like calling names for that reason. Ordinary people with an extraordinary anointing. The thing about the crowds that Jesus had around him is they wanted the blessings and the benefits. But they weren't all that keen on having the responsibilities that went with them. Count the cost of, the, of running buses. How many breakdowns have we had in the last month? At least three. Every time we think we're over a hump, something else has happened. Count the cost of feeding the city, of distributing hundreds of backpacks, Christmas presents, etc. None of this is cheap. But the eternal rewards are what we are after. We may not see this side of heaven, the impact we make in this building, but God is taking notice. Maybe you're sitting here today and you think you have nothing to offer. I'm going to make a shameless plug in a minute. Y'all get ready. Can you ride a bus? Can you prepare a meal? Can you serve in the cafe once a month? Can you clean the cafe after a service? Can you love on children? Can you serve in the nursery? Can you drive a bus? We all have something to offer. Someone else we need to serve. You know, I always tell people, I got my greatest amount of healing by serving other people. I didn't, I didn't sit. When I got saved, I didn't sit down here. I got busy. I got busy. I went straight from I surrender to, hey, what do you need me to do? Oh, you need me to clean out the back of a warehouse? You mean where those mice are? Y'all, I am deadly afraid of mice. Ask all these people. We catch a mice back there? Mm-mm. Nope. Nope, 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 nope. I will never forget, I'm cleaning out this part of the warehouse. So, so gross. And all of a sudden, I see this. Ah! That was it for me. Okay, I'll do this again tomorrow, but not today. I cleaned a lot of toilets. I told somebody this. I cleaned a lot of toilets before I did this. Even on, on the stage with kids. There's nothing above me. There's nothing above him. That's why he's special. We're ordinary people that carry an extraordinary anointing. But I will tell you this. They can't do it alone. If we want to be the church on this corner, 
where people say, look at what God's doing. Look at the extraordinary anointing that they have. Look at all they're doing. It's going to take every single person in this building, every single one of us, even people that are watching online, even people that aren't saved yet, even people that feel like they have nothing to offer. It's time to get busy. What does God speak to your heart today? See, God has this incredible plan to use this church and to change Green Bay for his glory. Five years ago, Pastor Matt and Kyla and their family made a huge sacrifice to come here. And they won't say this, but I know they took a huge, huge, huge pay cut. And they never looked back. They've cut their Starbucks. We've all cut our Starbucks, right? <laughs> Starbucks is homebrew now. It's all good. It's coffee's coffee, folks. But God's honored their decision over and over again. We've seen God use them. We've seen God move. We've seen God do extraordinary things in this building. It's not an ordinary thing when you see hundreds of people lift their hands to receive Jesus Christ when they came to get a backpack or a toy. It's not a usual church. So today, more than anything, we take time to say thank you. Thank you for putting up with us. Thank you for cleaning the dust bunnies. Thank you for serving this city. Thank you, guys. Jordan, Jace, thank you. Sam, if you want to come on up. One of the things I absolutely love about this man is that he never, ever misses an opportunity to invite people into a relationship with Jesus. Last week, Amber leaned over to me, because you guys know Teen Challenge was here. It was pretty awesome. Last night, uh, or last week, Amber reached over and go, look at him go, look at him go, Mom. He never misses it. You see, we came from several fairly large churches in Phoenix, and we had visited several before we ended up at Dream City. And one of the things that we always were so frustrated about was the fact that these guys had great messages. And then at the end, they would say, see you next week. Bye. Have a great week. And I would sit there going, inside. Because the Bible says, how can they know unless somebody's sent? How can they respond unless somebody invites? How do people come into a relationship with Jesus if they're not ever asked? I'd like you to bow your head and close your eyes here today. I want you to think about how you came into this building. Because somebody invited you or maybe you were just born here and your mom dragged you 
But somewhere along the line, you have to decide who you're going to serve. Are you going to serve yourself? Are you going to serve this incredible God that has given you this chance at making a difference in somebody else's life? Some of you think it's too late. I've missed my opportunity. My friends, you are not that powerful. God has given you opportunity after opportunity and will continue to give you that until your dying breath. But you have to choose. First, you have to choose him and his way. You have to say, God, I surrender to you. Everything that I have is yours. I can do nothing outside of you. See, I, I, I realize that every single day. Second, you have to get put feet to the desire that he's put in your heart. You have to get up and move. You have to put one foot in front of the other. So as you think about this today, if you would say to me, Lynn, maybe I've been here forever and I just haven't maybe been totally obedient to God, maybe, maybe just a little bit obedient to God. See, the Bible says obedience is better than sacrifice. Obey God. Obey Him. Obey His leading. Obey the Holy Spirit. You won't be sorry you did. Maybe you're in here today and you say, I don't know what I'm doing in here, man. Some friend of mine invited me. You're in just the right place that God has for you. He chose you to be in that seat you're in today. So if you have never asked Jesus into your heart or you want to recommit your life to him today, you say, Lynn, I missed it, I missed it, I missed it, and I want to get back in the right spot with God. I want you to raise your head. I want to pray for you. You might say, Lynn, I just need, I just need a little nudge from the Holy Spirit from time to time. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. I want to pray with you. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I really want to pray with all of you if you'll pray with me and help those around you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Everybody pray with me. Say, Dear God, thank you for sending your son to die for me. I realize today that my life has been bought with a price. The precious blood of Jesus. Help me to live for you and not for myself. I surrender to you. Forgive me for my sin, for all the wrong things I've done, and help me to choose to listen to you and to obey every single thing that you tell me to do. Listen, I wasn't going to share this, but I really feel like, um, you know, it's not a sermon with me unless you expose your own junk, right? So I had a friend one time. His name was Dallas, and Dallas has since uh, went to be with the Lord. But Dallas carried a very unusual, extraordinary anointing. He, w- he was very prophetic, and I'd watch him, and he was very bold in what he did. One time we were at a street fair, 
And he said, I have to buy a lemonade from that truck. And I'm like, okay. You know, so I see him trot over to the truck. And I'm like, I turned around and I said, where is he? He has the lady out the truck, in the back of the truck, and he's praying for this lady. And the lady's just weeping before the Lord and praying with him. And I saw several times things like that happen. But the Lord said to me, he said, Lynn, Lynn, because I used to tell him, I want to, I want to have that gift. I want that, to, I want that to operate in my life. And he goes, you already have it. You just got to trust it. You just got to step into it. And I will never forget one day God, God gave me a word for Jalissa. And I was, I was shaking. She's a kid. What am I shaking for, right? If I totally miss it, she's a kid. She'll get over it, right? But God said, trust it, Lynn, and step into it. See, sometimes God has something for you to do. And you'll miss it. I remember once I missed it big time. And it was where, when I was first, first saved. I was in this building that I'm trying to remember what it was. It was like a doctor's office slash social service place slash I don't know. And God said, you see that woman there? I want you to go tell her I've redeemed her from drugs. And I was like, are you? You got to be out your rocker. I ain't going to do that. And I didn't trust it. Do you know what? That still plagues me today. Now, I believe that God's big enough to have sent somebody else. But that still rings in my head today. Don't miss it. Don't miss what he has for you. So Dallas would tell me, step into it. And he would do it on purpose. He'd say, you pray for her. But I learned so much from him. I learned that if I didn't step into it, like Pastor Matt, if he didn't step and just make that faith thing about the food and about the food pantry, it would not, we would not be where we are today. So whatever God's in, in, urging you to do, I encourage you, trust his voice. Step out. He's got amazing things for this church. We're ordinary people with an extraordinary anointing, Pastor.